Koinonia, Christian Fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. I'm Tom Brown, and your host today, Pastor Mark Buckley. Welcome to Koinonia. I'm so glad to be here with you today. With me in the studio is Jeff Mary. He's been a faithful worship leader, coordinator in this valley for many years. He's now working with missionaries overseas. He's got a fascinating story, and we're going to hear all about it. Good to have you with us, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here with you. Well, let's let's back up um, and hear some of your testimony. How would you start following Christ? Where would you come from in the beginning? The beginning. Where? Wow. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I, I grew up in the Northwest, up in Washington State, and so I'm a Seahawks fan still. Oh, man. that's <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I know. It was tough. It was a tough weekend. But, um, yeah, I, uh, my parents were believers, and— I remember one day I was, uh, we were in Tacoma, Washington, looked out, we could see Mount Rainier on one side and, and uh, um, Olympic Mountains the other side. And I was watching this TV show about prisoners who said, even though they were behind bars, they were still felt free because they had a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And I'd been to Sunday school, I knew about this, but I thought, wow, that freedom, I, I really want that. So I asked my dad about it. How old were you? I was seven years old, Nineteen. Mm-hmm. 19- 61. Mm-hmm. February 7th is when it mm-hmm. happened. And I was, uh, so he, we went back in my bedroom, I remember, and he told me what we could do, and I prayed and, and asked Jesus into my life. That's and, neat. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell a prisoner story since you mentioned a prisoner. I was in the airport yesterday, and mm. uh, actually on Thursday on my flight out of uh, Phoenix, I was delayed over two hours, and uh very frustrating. I almost missed the flight even after waiting around a couple hours because they changed the gate and I didn't hear the announcement and then I had to go running across the airport. But whenever I get delayed in an airport, I think about a friend of mine who's on death row in San Quentin. Mm. He loves the Lord with all his heart Mm -hmm. and God uses him in great ways. His name is Billy Payton. Mm. But I also know as a man, he would give anything if he could just have an afternoon sitting in an airport watching people come and go, right. getting a cup of coffee if he wanted it or a hamburger. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any of those freedoms, you know. Mm-hmm. And and those are things that we miss and we cherish. Yeah. And sometimes we take for granted and sometimes we don't appreciate when mm-hmm. those blessings around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So seven years old, you open your life to Christ in a real personal kind of a way. I did, I did. And I, I grew up in the church, but it wasn't really until I was 17 when I uh, was invited to work at a Christian camp mm-hmm. up in Bellingham, Washington. At the FERS? At the FERS. And I was a counselor in training, which is the work crew. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I remember uh, I was there for 10 weeks all summer long. And I remember about sixth week, I'm feeding the horses one night, and mm-hmm. I come down. There's a big hill overlooking a huge, beautiful lake, Lake Whatcom. And I, I felt the, the Lord's presence. I was, it was a starry night, you mm-hmm. know, rare in Washington. And, and I said, Lord, I, I feel wonderful. Here's, I'm around people who truly know you and love you, yeah. who really want to serve you. And, and I'm, I'm just having the time of my life. If I could do this the rest of my life, I'm yours. Mm-hmm. And that was really my time 
to say, Lord, I'm, I'm here for you. And, and uh, I worked five more years at that camp, and, and God just did so many things. That's where I really started leading worship. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How neat. Yeah. You know that camp has a special place in our heart because so many of the kids at Living Streams went there. Mm-hmm. And, for, and then we also had a young man drown there. Mm-hmm. Um, no fault of the camps, but yeah. he was driving in a way that he lost control of a car and flipped into a pond. Yeah. But um, it is precious. You know, those folks really love the Lord. And that one camp has had an incredible oh. impact on generations of young people. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my uncle used to be the director of that camp. Really? Yeah, and there's so many people that God has touched and then they've gone out to serve the Lord in various ways, either on the mission field or in pastoral pastoral. When people lay down their lives for ministry, when they plant themselves and then invite people to join them, great things can happen. Oh, yeah, amazing. My guest is Jeff Mary. We're going to find out about his ministry to missionaries in a few minutes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Koinonia. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley. My guest is Jeff Mary. And um, Jeff, you've been serving the Lord since you were 17 years old when your faith came alive at a Christian camp, mm-hmm. the first. And then what happened? How did how'd you go from there to eventually going into full-time ministry? Well, I met this amazing girl at uh, Western Washington University, State College in those days, Karen, my wife now. And we fell in love and and um, decided that uh, God was calling us to serve him in various ways. So I uh, was a, a youth pastor in a little Baptist church in Tacoma, Washington, across from really? Fort Lewis. And I was there serving for a year, because I'd known how to do programs and lead mm-hmm. worship. And, but I recognized I needed more. And by some miraculous way, I got accepted to Biola University. So we packed up our uh, 20-foot U-Haul truck. Now, you, had you already graduated from Western Washington? Or? No, I didn't graduate there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I had left early because just things weren't working out the mm-hmm. way I wanted to. And so we, uh, we got accepted, packed up my 20-foot U-Haul truck, mm-hmm. painted three houses in a week, put my Pinto station money. wagon yeah. on the back, and we drove to Southern California. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't have any kids in those days? Had or? no kids. No, no. Yeah. This is Got into days. Biola, and how much time did you have to go there? Well, I did uh, uh, about three years at Biola and then two years at Talbot Seminary. Really? How did you like Talbot? I loved it. I knew the guys. So many of the professors there were close friends, and we just— It was a good, healthy, spiritual environment, huh? Very much so. Very much and so. And Biola, would you say the same for Biola? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we lived off campus, so we weren't on, but we knew a lot of the students and mm-hmm. really interacted well. Good education, solid very, curriculum. Very solid, yeah. That's neat, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. So you graduated from Talbot. Now, did you have debt from that, or did you pay as you go? No, I paid as I go, yeah. That's why it took a little longer to get through it. Cause I, that's a smart way to do it, man. Yeah. You, you had to, and God provides, right? He did, he did. I'd take a semester off, paint houses, and then yeah. go back. and. That's yeah. funny, because when I met my wife, um, she was on a painting crew. Well, soon thereafter, she mm-hmm. joined a painting crew, and it was called Seminary Students and Crew. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And because uh, there's Golden Gate Seminary in Marin County, and 
they just painted houses and then I did construction and sometimes we worked together, but that wasn't the best for our relationship because <laughs> we have different standards of what's okay. <laughs> for me, it's like if they're driving by, they're never going to notice this. <laughs> She's very meticulous. Yeah, you know? painting, you have to be kind of that way. Yeah. Yeah, I had a great crew of uh, seminary students. Uh-huh. Uh, one guy was like 4'10", so he'd do the baseboards. Yeah. And then another guy was 6'10", so he'd uh-huh. do all the soffits. And That's We funny. had a great time, yeah. You know, it's a good way to make money, and there's something done at the end of the day. It's satisfying. And mm-hmm. Whereas in carpentry, it's easier to blow an estimate. I remember one job mm-hmm. I did where I estimated uh, paneling a room, and I think I estimated it... $90, which for me in those days was like two days work or something. Yeah. But it took me a week because the room wasn't square and I had to make all these <laughs> angular cuts on all the paneling. Mm-hmm. And then I estimated painting uh, a couple of rooms at $90 and I got it done in one day because you can't usually mess up a painting estimate <laughs> that much, you know. Unless um, you have to take wallpaper off or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, so you you graduated from Talbot and then where'd you go from there? Well, from there, I, uh, I was working at uh, uh, Huntington Beach, EV Free, as a singles pastor, and then part-time. And then I was hired full-time in San Jose, mm-hmm. uh, Evangelical Free Church, as youth pastor, junior high, high school, college, singles. Everybody that isn't yeah, nailed there you go. down. That's what you do. And then out of that, um, after about three years, uh, we'd, I'd grown up serving at the Fullerton EV, mm-hmm. EV Free Church, which was all about training leaders, equipping. Right. And was so, that under Chuck Swindoll? Yeah, Chuck was there. How yeah. did you like working with him? Uh, I, I, did, I did. I liked working with him. Bucky Buchanan was there, um, Bob Craning. It was a, a booming of, environment. It was an amazing environment. My wife actually was on staff, and Howie Stevenson, and there was a number of people, so we got to kind of see underneath we yeah, which isn't always Chuck's as kids, beautiful you know? <laughs> as the exterior for any ministry, right? Because it's a big right. family. Yeah. And, yeah. If, you know, and that's something everybody needs to understand. And it's good for us to understand the humanity of men of God. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you have people on a pedestal, mm-hmm. then you don't feel like you ever measure up because, you know, your life wouldn't survive under a microscope mm-hmm. if that was the criteria. Right. And so when you see people, you shouldn't get offended. You just should just say, hey, God can use people powerfully mm-hmm. even in even when they have some issues or flaws, as long as we're not talking about blatant hypocrisy and immorality and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, God is amazing. His, his grace is, is tremendous. And yeah, yeah, that's really what drew me into what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. working with leaders. I. I, Karen and I joined a, a mission agency, Church Resource Ministries, that's all about empowering leaders. Yeah. And that's how we got to the Valley, um, to work with church planters. Before we um, talk about that, I want to just touch on one thing that you alluded to. Mm-hmm. When you were wanting to serve the Lord and move into more ministry, you made yourself available. You did whatever needed to be done at mm-hmm. the churches you were at, right? Yes. You're a faithful servant, and then you trust the Lord to open the doors. You had quit, got yourself equipped as best you could, mm-hmm. and then you knock and serve and see what opens up. Explain that process, because sometimes people think, well, I'm going to go to seminary, and then I'm just going to get a full-time job as a pastor. That doesn't always happen. And other times people think, well, I'm 
I would like to serve, but I don't even know where to start. So mm-hmm. talk to us about that process. Yeah, I, boy, I think, because there was a lot of opportunities for me to get more education. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I really recognized, um, as you know, on-the-job training is so much more valuable. Right. And what uh, God continued with, to lead us into, we, we would be equipped for those tasks and those times. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that once you get to a certain point where you know how to listen to what the Lord is saying to you, uh, to follow him, mm-hmm. and, and it, there's a lot with that. It doesn't just... Talk to us about that for just a moment. Yeah, I, I think um, the, des- the desire to be present with the Lord and listen instead of telling him all the things that you need or that you want or you plans to do, but rather uh, Samuel did it, right? Mm-hmm. He said, here am I, Lord, uh, speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your servant is listening. And I think that's what, what God is delighted with. Mm-hmm. He's able to do anything through anyone that he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen some amazing things happen with people that haven't got a lot of training. And yet I think that what uh, what God is uh, wanting to do is to reveal His presence to people where they're at, so that they can first and foremost accept His grace and mm-hmm. receive Him as Lord, and then join Him in His plan um, in this world. Amen and amen. And that simply means you're operating from a place of peace. And being led by the Spirit mm-hmm. rather than um, trying to control things and being driven. Right, right. And it's easy to do because we're so there's so many distractions and so right. many uh, stressors. Or and we've all made mistakes along those lines. We've, we've all, all plunged into things we sh- when we should have paused, mm-hmm. and we've all sat still when we should have taken action. <laughs> That's right. Right. We're all like that. We, I think when it says Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, mm-hmm. um, it's not just obviously, and then he becomes a sacrifice. So it's not talking about the cross in that. It's talking about, I think, learning to listen to the Spirit and mm-hmm. be guided by those things that the Lord's putting in front of us. Because it's not sin when you miss it in the sense that lying, stealing, and you know, mm-hmm. murder is sin. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just simply learning as a man or a woman to be obedient. And that's, that's the key. That's the key. Listening and obeying and not saying, stand back, God, I got this. I'll, I'll take care of this for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but rather, okay, Lord, do you want me to enter into this relationship? Do you want me to go here or there or work with these people? Or Because I think that um, so many times we we do we miss what God's best is mm-hmm. when we're trying to do something for Him or or maybe avoid what we think He wants us to do. Amen. So your career here in the valley, you uh, served in churches, you w- did worship Arizona. Tell us about that, and then we'll find out what you're doing with missionaries. Worship Arizona. Yeah, we. We joined uh, CRM, Church Resource Ministries, mm-hmm. to come to the valley to equip pastors in any way they needed. So we would come alongside a 
planting pastor mm -hmm. and train the leaders that they need. Mm -hmm. Typically a pastor, planting pastor, you know this, is doing 27 different things and they're really right. only good at one or two, maybe mm -hmm. three. And so we would say, hey, we'll come and train, take care of your youth or we'll train your small group leaders. We'll help train children's leaders or work with your That's elders. That's terrific. And, and who, who was this, you and um, Karen together or? Karen and I, and we had a team in, in place. And who funded you? We were self. We were funded through donors and mm -hmm. supporters, churches. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they supported you, and so you could serve a church planner without charge. Exactly. And exactly. and how, what different churches were you able to serve, and how long was your typical time with the church? We would be with a church anywhere from six to eighteen months, mm -hmm. and we would uh, all different denominations. We would jo join Presbyterians and Baptists and independent and EV free, all kinds of churches that, that decided they, they wanted to plant. And then that, that would be your home church for that season then as yes. well. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn about church planting that you could communicate? <laughs> I mean, if you were going to, let's say there was five guys and they're all sitting at your feet for an hour they want to be church planners. What are you going to tell them? What are some of the key things you're going to tell them? <laughs> That's a great question. Okay, then you can answer it after this break. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and in the studio with me is Jeff Mary. When we come back from these messages, he's going to tell us some things that church planters need to know. And you may be on the board, you may be on the team, or you may be a planter yourself. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with these after these messages. Welcome back to Coin and E. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. If you ever want to visit us at Living Streams, we're on the corner of Central and Glendale. Services Sunday morning, 9, 15, and 11. My guest is Jeff Mary. Jeff, um, tell us what you would tell some young church planters, things that they definitely need to do and some things they need to be aware of that could be trouble um, if they're, they're getting ready to launch. Well, I think that's a great question. I, I love church planters. Typically, we find a church planter is has got that pioneer spirit. You know, they're they're felt that they've been called by God, and and maybe a geographic call or a, 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 a psychographic call, mm -hmm. a certain people group that they yeah. want to reach, and they uh, they're excited about that, and they're really passionate, and um, and I think that those are some really strong traits. Mm -hmm. They can also be detrimental if they aren't humble right. as well. Humility is, uh, just like what we talked about earlier, is so important. Um, Jesus was humble before his father. Mm -hmm. He was always asking, Father, what do you want me to do? And I think that uh, one, of the, one of the struggles that church planters have is when they get into what I call survival mode because mm -hmm. they've got a vision and they've got a certain way that they think they want it to be accomplished and <clears throat> and they miss the uh the creative ways that God is going to accomplish 
Yeah. And so, um, so the first thing I would say, one is uh, go walk the streets where you think God wants you to go. Go walk the streets and have a conversation with God about that community and really get to know what God is up to. Yeah. Listen to him and hear what he's saying mm-hmm. about these people. Open your eyes and see what's going on so that you really feel where their hearts are at. In a exactly, bit. exactly. And then secondly, don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Don't do it alone. And, and don't, um, and taking your wife and your kids is, <laughs> is not the team I'm, I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting you take some other people with you who you trust, who you are um, very open and vulnerable with, that can ask you the hard questions Mm -hmm. and that can join you in the vision that God has, not just specifically your vision, but can join you in really reaching that, uh, establishing a, a, a body of believers in that area. Well, you know, what you're saying strikes me because I think back, um, I've planted a couple of churches before I planted Living Streams, but just to talk about Living Streams, by the time I got here, I felt successful. I felt like I knew what I was doing, Mm -hmm. and I knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I also knew that you should have a really good team, but I didn't have a really good team because I had just launched a church in uh, um, Vallejo, California with the team members that I would have brought here. I wasn't planning to come here, and we came suddenly because our son's asthma was, Mm. uh, it was a life and death thing to make the move. So we're starting over, and we're, you know, but I still had that attitude that I can do this, and Mm. I wasn't a good listener. I was, I might have been listened, but... (laughs) You can listen and still not have any intention of doing anything other than what you know you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that. So on one hand, it, it's a helpful trait to be able to pioneer and press through obstacles. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's a very um, difficult and and. I don't know how to say it other than you're in trouble if you're not open to listening yes. to the ideas of the people you're working with and serving because you'll try and steamroll them without you, you will steamroll them without trying and then they get hurt and then you lose them and then yeah. you're on your own right challenging challenging right, right well and church planters typically have a target on them mm-hmm. spiritual target that the enemy doesn't want them to su- succeed yeah and so <clears throat> so yeah, you're going to have all kinds of difficulties that you're going to need a strong support system. Right. And um, the way I look at it, too, is that it's if you're doing it God's way and he's the one providing, you don't have to take all the credit and you don't have to take all the pressure. Mm-hmm. If, if it's your vision, mm-hmm. your way, you're going to think that you're going to get the credit and you're also going to get uh, a lot more pressure than you should have, mm-hmm. and that pressure works against you yeah. because it wasn't a pressure the Lord wanted you to take. Right, and if you're not ready for it, then naturally as a human, we try to find ways to cope. Yeah, And coping mechanisms can be a, a black hole. So give us some things that you saw some church planners do that you ended up really admiring. Some, the things that mm-hmm. guys you worked with did that 
that worked well, and that was something God used to help this church get off the ground. Well, I think the one of the things that I saw with uh, with one guy was that he he had a good team around him, and he was vulnerable with them, and he really asked them, he challenged them, uh, but he also asked them how he was doing regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't use this word, the I word with mm-hmm. guys so much, intimacy, but that, right. that's really what it was. It was an intimate group of guys that, that really cared for each other and told each other the truth. Mm-hmm. Another guy... Um, who, who was that? I mean, that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, um, uh, his name is Ron. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so uh, another guy that uh, I really admired was the guy that went, Bill, and he went and spent time walking the neighborhood, mm-hmm. talking to people, and just listening, mm-hmm. praying for them, praying with them, and just displaying Jesus right. to anybody. And I think that, that, was, that was really good. Um, there were a couple guys that I worked with uh, where I would come alongside as their worship leader, and which, you know... Mm-hmm. You've experienced it's a pretty as well. close relationship. It's got to be a, a good, healthy be. relationship. Has to be really that. Those are the two guys that display mm-hmm. not only our mission, vision, and values of the church, but how we interact with Jesus. Yeah, because yeah. one leads them into the presence of Jesus, and one tells them how to continue that yeah. experience. And so it's such a powerful team when they're tracking together. And I'm sure you've probably worked with a few people that you didn't have that synergy with, too. And that becomes very frustrating, huh? It does. It does. It's difficult when, um, when you're not in sync with somebody yeah. and, and uh, you're not communicating. Mm-hmm. And you can't force it. But at the same time, I found that unity is one of the um, priorities of the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, if there's any comfort in Christ, any fellowship of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit, any any well-being that comes from knowing God loves you, then make my joy complete. Mm -hmm. Have the same mind and the same heart. In other words, when I read that, and the reason I... I really fixated on that scripture was the night before my son drowned. Mm. He came into our home group, and we're all sharing, share your favorite scripture. And he shared that scripture. Mm. And so afterwards, since it was the last uh, scripture I ever heard him share in his mm. life, I, I really wanted to know, Lord, what is in this? Yeah. And I saw in that that the power of the unity mm. wasn't just in that scripture, but in... Um, First Corinthians, he talks about mm-hmm. the, the blessing of unity, and obviously Jesus does in John 17, and mm-hmm. there's so much of a treasure. Oh, it, yeah. It's what makes your marriage wonderful. It's mm-hmm. what makes your family wonderful, and for the church, it brings out the wisdom of God. It really does. It really does, yeah. So um, what are some other things pastors need to avoid, some church planners that, that you've seen that this is not good? You've, you've seen it, you've lived with it, and you know the handwriting's on the wall. Unless this is dealt with, we're not going to have a good outcome here. Well, I think the antithesis of what we've t- spoken about, another uh, that we've seen demonstrated so often is that a pastor gets a certain, maybe went to a seminar, maybe read a book, 
and he, he takes, wants the whole church now to head down that road. There you go. We're going to turn the whole ship in that direction That's right. all at once. That's right. And and or maybe they just got a sen- out of seminary, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to teach through this and that. Yeah. And, and they do the seminary class at a, at, 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 yeah, the theolo- the theology class that their favorite professor <laughs> used to do. That's right. And so they're dealing with topics that nobody sitting there really is that interested in because it doesn't apply to their personal life at all. Right, right. And 45 minutes later, the people are like, oh, it's over now? <laughs> I can't wait to go home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, are, those are really, really important points. To me, the, first, the, the last thing you said first mm-hmm. is um, sermons need to be practical. They need to help people mm-hmm. get closer to the Lord, apply their faith at work, in their marriage, with their kids. Mm-hmm. And there's so much practical wisdom in the Word of God. And if we're not sharing that with people, then we're out of touch with reality. They're not going to they're not going to thrive on 2,000-year-old history mm-hmm. or theological debates that are held in seminaries but are not really held in the marketplace. Well, when you look at the generation out there now, we call them the millennials, mm-hmm. um, we're seeing a whole different um, uh, creature. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not driven to study the Bible. They're not driven to go attend a service. They're not driven to do some of these things that, that typically we would say, I'm a churchgoer and I do these things. Yeah. Um, they, they've... Uh, for a number of reasons, I think they, their values are, are more personal, yeah. face-to-face. I can only trust what I'm receiving from you. They've mm-hmm. been betrayed by the media, by churches, by pastors, by mm-hmm. political leaders. And, and so I think that a lot of that ties in there. And so if, if they go and attend a church and, and the pastor's up over their head or um, they don't have a, an, a way to participate, to be involved. And I'm not just saying singing the worship songs, right, but somehow... Right. To get engaged with the fellowship. Exactly. Then, boy, well, we've seen it, right? Right. They come in yeah. and they go out, yeah. and they come in and go out, and pretty soon they don't ever come in anymore. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, my guest is Jeff Mary. I'm going to be right back after these messages. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. And uh, if you ever want to look us up on the web, livingstreams.org. We've got incredible things going on at Living Streams, and you'd enjoy them. Um, Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley, and my guest is Jeff Mary. Jeff's been doing mission work, um, working with missionaries, bringing them to health. Um, before we talk about that, Jeff, though, I want to just um, touch base on that one idea you had, is that if a pastor takes a church, and like I saw this incredible church in London that had 400 active members, it was a great worshiping church, and back, this is back in the 80s, they were that was a good size um, evangelical church in London in those days. Mm-hmm. So they they had an emphasis on prophecy, and they really got into prophecy. And then they changed their emphasis to deliverance ministry and really got into deliverance ministry. Mm-hmm. Then they changed it to missions and really tried to mobilize everybody into mission trips. And then they changed it into working with the poor. Mm-hmm. And 
all of those things are good. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you're trying to get everybody in the church motivated into one area mm-hmm. rather than recognizing that these are all facets mm-hmm. of the ministry of a healthy local church. Mm-hmm. And as a church grows, they can develop new facets. But you're never going to have everybody working with the poor or everybody into missions or everybody needing deliverance. Mm-hmm. So they killed that church, basically, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and because... Every time they turned, the first time they made a big turn, they kept 95% of the people. The second time, they disillusioned another 15 or 20%. The third time, they disillusioned even more because mm-hmm. people who had been there for a number of years are like, wait, wait a minute, what, have, what happened to our old emphasis that we were all <laughs> rallying around? Yeah, yeah. They've got to be careful about that. Boy, you know, I've been reading, a, a studying through a book on shepherding. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this guy that went and, and spent time with shepherds mm-hmm. um, in the Middle East, and he learned so much uh, about them, and there's, uh, there's a lot to it. But a shepherd has a huge responsibility. He's not just sitting there, you know, watching sheep and keeping the wolves away. There's, there, each sheep has a, a need. For personal attention. Spe- specific needs. Mm-hmm. And and the, the shepherd has to be aware of the environment and aware of what's going on. And it's a big job. And the same thing as a pastor. He can't just be zoned in on one topic and mm-hmm. one trendy issue. Yeah. I think they have to have this vision of what God's doing. Yeah. And understand that it's a huge privilege. You know this. It's a huge privilege that people would be willing to come and be involved right. in that church. Right. And they're there by God's design for uh, encouragement, for feeding, for inspiration, um, to really experience the presence of the Lord. And boy, that's what... Well, you're, you're touching on another thing, too. If mm-hmm. we were talking to leaders, I'd tell them, make sure that you're thankful for the people you've got rather than frustrated about the people that aren't showing up. Because, I mean, none of us are beyond caring about how many people come to a weekend service. Mm -hmm. We all want to see our churches grow. Mm -hmm. But every church has some ebbs and flows in attendance numbers from time to time. Mm -hmm. And if you show up frustrated because some people aren't there, what you're really doing is punishing the people that are there who are Mm -hmm. being faithful. And you're missing the reality that sometimes... Jesus did work with a smaller group, and that didn't mean it was less significant. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, That's exactly right. So we don't want to miss out on hearing what you're doing with missionaries. What are some of the particular challenges that missionaries have mm-hmm. that, that you and your wife Karen are working with, and, and how are you able to help them? Well, thanks. Um, we are excited uh, to, to serve with uh, missionaries, international workers who've stepped out, they've um, let go of all of their stuff and their friends and people in order to go to a place where um, uh, the heart language isn't theirs, Mm -hmm. where the environment is uh, unfamiliar, where um, uh, their their message and their their mandate um, may be unpopular or there may be some hostility towards it. And so here's these people who uh, God has called and, and, and uh, provided for, 
and they step out at diff- different levels. Not all missionaries are, you know, all fully there. And, um, and they begin to experience circumstances that are not favorable. And it affects them um, uh, similarly to us when we experience stress. Um, it can affix, affect us uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, conflict between husband and wife and mm-hmm. kids, conflict between team members, um, and, and uh, questioning, God, what, what are we really doing here? Did we miss you when we even came? <laughs> That's right. You know, one of the scriptures that always has spoken to me along those lines, Jesus said, if you leave father, brother, you know, mother, sisters, mm-hmm. lands, houses, for my name's sake, you'll receive a hundredfold with persecutions mm. in this world and then mm-hmm. in the world to come everlasting life. So there really is a great reward, mm-hmm. but that with persecutions is a promise too. There's going to be trouble. Yes. It's going to cost you at the mm-hmm. same time. It's yeah. It, yes, yeah. Yeah, and those are just the general things. And then, then there are the specifics where... Um, you're in a, a place where the government turns your water off or your power mm-hmm. off, and so inconveniences. And, Frustrations. And kind of maybe the government isn't even honest. And mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. there isn't a sense of justice. That, yeah. That's really yeah. difficult. So it yeah. takes, it causes a big stress. And what, what are some of the things that you recommend to pastors and their wives when they come to you in terms of the healing of their souls and their marriages and so forth? Well, one one of the things that we do a lot is simply debrief, mm-hmm. where we we spend time just listening. Uh, one of the biggest um, stressors is isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, when one guy or his family are in a village all by themselves, and and there's nobody else speaking their language, or uh, and and uh, they're trying to learn their culture, and it just can be Ooh. huge. And, and there's nobody that they can tell um, their troubles to or the delights to. Or even have the kind of friendships that we take for granted. Exactly, right? exactly. So um, how long do you think it takes for somebody to really connect with another culture in terms of learning the language and having it be their own? I had a great conversation with a guy in uh, Eurasia, I uh, to say this, the country, but in Eurasia this, this summer, we were talking about that very thing. And he said to really get the nuances of the language and understand the culture is seven years. Mm-hmm. And seven he's talking about somebody who's very probably gifted, interested. He's not mm-hmm. a slow learner on no. those things. Mm-mm. Seven years to really understand um, the nuances so that you can have a conversation with somebody on a deep spiritual level. Yeah. Well, and think of it because obviously we're all in English still trying to figure out the the, <laughs> the communication, the signals that people are giving us mm-hmm. to being able to be aware. I mean, we'll be we'll have three guys in a meeting or four guys in a meeting, and afterwards I'll say, you know, so and so is really upset, and they'll say, what? How do you know that? Well, because I know him pretty well. Mm-hmm. I can tell when he's really upset. Right. And if you don't know the language and you don't know the people, you're going to have a real hard time reading anything like that, huh? Facial expressions, body language, 
a lot of that. Tone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So seven years. So for seven years, you're going to be working at it, communicating, but not necessarily clicking. Um, some right. friends of mine in Ecuador who have had an incredibly fruitful ministry, mm-hmm. their ministries really didn't start to grow for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, for 10 years, they did home groups and Bible studies and planted churches, mm-hmm. but everything stayed real small. Mm-hmm. And I think after 10 years, they were able to communicate in such a way that other leaders, mm-hmm. they would really connect with other leaders. Because right. the growth of any ministry is always going to be reflected by the health of the team. Yeah, yeah. When you build trust, you build trust, you become trustworthy in the community, then then they are then they start asking you questions. Yeah. So I've always felt like the New Testament sent out apostles. Mm-hmm. And when we send out missionaries, sometimes we're sending out people that have no track record of building, planting, anything in this culture. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, the chances of them being really apostolic are minimal, Mm -hmm. and that the best thing they can do is find out what God's doing in an area and actually join somebody, become part of a team, and serve with their gifts. Mm -hmm. And as the years go on, maybe those gifts are truly apostolic, Mm -hmm. and probably they're not. (laughs) Probably not. And so if people have the wrong concept of what how God's going to use them, mm-hmm. that's a setup for disappointment too, isn't it? And failure. They're going to yeah. crash and burn. And we've seen a, a lot of things that um, that would be just hugely discouraging. Yeah. And and um, helping uh, helping these workers figure out where Jesus is and who who am I and what am I really doing here. Yeah, is is some of the work that we do, as well as trauma work. Um, you know, we've 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 had them experience um, difficulties. Um, you know, when their best friend is murdered, yeah, or kidnapped, or um, abused, or mm-hmm. facing some difficult difficult things. And um, so you got, get alongside them, you really listen, mm-hmm. you love them, and you pray for them. Yeah, and we pray with them, and we we walk through those um, those moments that only Jesus can heal them. Amen and amen. My guest is Jeff Mary. He and his wife Karen are serving missionaries. They're laying down their lives to bring health and healing to those who are on the front lines. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Stream. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Jeff Mary as much as I have. Um, 
Jeff, you and Karen are part of what organization? How could people contact you if they wanted to support you or find out more about you or pray for you guys? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Ministry Essentials, primarily uh, Ministry Essentials International is the name of the organization. And um, How long has it been going on? Uh, they've been going on about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And primarily, they're designed to serve other agencies and denominations. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we do. We have... Um, so is, do they have a website? or how, how They would have somebody? a website, yeah. Um, uh, M-E-I-N-T-L dot O-R-G. So ministryessentials.org. Ministryessentials.org. Right. Awesome. And uh, is your support holding up okay and everything? It is. It is. Uh, we, it, it took a little dip once we went over, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a little crazy. But um, Now that we got you out there on the limb, we'll just start uh, cutting you back <laughs> a little bit, huh? It's just uh, incredible somehow. But God is good, and he supplies. We, um, uh, we are trying to bolster that up a little bit here. You, you know what's funny? I bet you've experienced this. Some of the people you thought would really be big supporters aren't, and some people you never expected are, right? Yes. Isn't that the way God's kingdom works it is. all the time? It is. He is so surprising, so gracious, and it's just delightful, yeah. Yeah, and he always provides enough and always has you live a life of faith. Yes. Thanks, Jeff, for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. If you ever want to visit us, look us up on the web, livingstreams.org, or come by 7000 North Central, corner of Central and Glendale in Phoenix, Sunday morning, 9.15 or 11. We'd love to have you join us. I hope you will let the Lord use you, that you'll serve faithfully, that you'll um, develop your gifts, make yourself available. You'll never regret it. The kingdom of God is come and his will is being done. Let it happen through you. God bless.